listeners and viewers, welcome to this new wild ride from your favorite deep divers, Natalie and Mark. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Mark. I'm still in the southwest of Germany, but Mark has changed his location. If, yeah, he's now Portugal. Yes, which is more south than Seoul, than South Germany. And uh, I'm even south of Portugal, so I'm very south compared relative to you, Natalie. And uh, very, very happy to be here. So um, it's not going to be the, the topic of the day, but uh, um, let's just say that I, I followed uh, an inner call and your call and calling and uh, the call of the land as well, the land uh, uh, of Algarve, in which I am now. And uh, I'm very happy I did so. It is uh, an absolutely gorgeous uh, ecosystem and not just visually, uh, energetically as well. And uh, I have great, great alchemy with this place. So uh, um, I came here Mm, how would I say, without much preparation in the physical world, meaning that uh, I arrive without knowing anyone here, without uh, having any kind of uh, activity here, I mean, which of course is not an absolute necessity these days, but, um, and I came with really minimum baggage, minimum luggage. So, uh, but everything is, uh, you know, working out brilliantly. So, uh, yeah, it's the right place for me uh, at the right time. So, uh, our first episode in, for me, this new setting is titled Crime Against Humanity. And um, the would I call that the, the opportunity, so to speak, what actually inspired uh, the choice of this uh, specific topic is uh, when it comes from Germany. It comes from Germany. Um, the uh, concept itself of crimes against humanity, if I am not mistaken, came from the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg, the Nuremberg trials that's correct, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, at the end of World War II. And um, it is being currently used by um, an international network of lawyers, but um, that network is spearheaded by a German lawyer called uh, Rainer Fülmich. Rainer, yes, Rainer Fülmich. And if I don't wow, know, good pronunciation, yeah. Rainer <laughs> Fülmich, uh, who is also active in the United States, in order to challenge um, the various dictatorial and totalitarian measures that have been imposed by governments worldwide using the uh, uh, supposed COVID-19 epidemic as, I'm just going to say a reason, even though that's not the word I have in mind. 
Um, there, the, okay, so um, we chose this topic. I'm not sure exactly why, other that it enables us to um, address a very wide uh, variety of topics because this situation is um, uh, a very encompassing one. I also feel the last episode has been about humanities pushing back. Mm -hmm. And actually now they are not just um, going onto the streets and, and shouting for their liberation, mm -hmm. but now actually you have people who are inside the system, so to speak. You have people who are well known. This Lavoyer, this Jim Lavoyer, he is, um, he had been in the, uh, diesel scandal. He he is um, he's very familiar with, um, with how to sue a company um, in the right way yeah. uh, because he recognized um, it would be too tricky to go after all of those uh, governments. So he said, "Okay, the whole." lockdown situation worldwide is actually because of the PCR tests and so he went after them and so I feel that crimes against humanity um, is really um, it is really now humanity um, taking their rightful position and really working um, using the system against the system so to speak yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. That is what, what really spoke to me, yeah. So, um, why is it conceivable to speak about crimes against humanity in this situation? Because, um, because of the specific context in which that legal notion was uh, initially articulated in the framework of the Nuremberg trials, what people often have in mind when that expression is used is a, um, um, a Holocaust-type situation, so uh, a, a genocide, which are not exactly the same concepts, actually, even though they are close. Uh, crimes against humanity is not necessarily a genocide. Now, uh, there might be arguments to also use the term genocide in the situation that we are currently facing. Uh, one might um, argue in favor of the position that the way the elderly have been treated in um, this whole situation since it started is a form of genocide uh, with genocidal intentions. But uh, what could be a crime against humanity? Now, um, I, I must confess that uh, uh, I haven't had a look at the Nuremberg Code uh, before we started this episode, but if I just use common sense in order to uh, um, assess the meaning of the expression, I would say that uh, just look at what a crime against an individual is. You know, it is any 
malicious infringement of an individual basic rights, like the right to live, the right to own your property, the right uh, not to be assaulted, the right to your physical integrity, the right to uh, um, have uh, honest interactions with other people. So uh, at a collective level now, um, you can take any of these infringements against basic rights and expand that to uh, the whole human collective, and that would be a crime against humanity. So uh, have we had in this situation crimes against humanity? Well, it seems pretty obvious that uh, the entirety of the human collective has been on the receiving end of all the measures that have been taken by various governments and institutions since this whole supposed uh, pandemic started. Actually, and if there is something we have in common worldwide, people are being stripped of their constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. What is actually a right against uh, a crime against humanity? Mm -hmm. If your constitutional rights have been taken away from you, and that is worldwide. Uh, now we have really the situation like in the Third Reich that is now a worldwide um, situation and of course you have different laws in different countries but in in western countries we have the right to go where we want to see our family to um, go for our business in the german constitution you have the right to do your business for example in the united states uh, their constitution is really really clear about that that everyone is a free person to um, go about their daily life as they wish to, as long as they are not breaking the law and um, harming other people. And we have been stripped of that, um, just using the back door that just um, calling out a pandemic, <laughs> where they have been using a trick for that even, um, is then you meeting someone else said you are harming or uh, bringing risk to another person and um, what is not the case at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are many ways. There are many ways to demonstrate that uh, crimes against humanity have been committed here. In the facts to begin with, uh, in the, the situations that have been imposed upon people, depriving them from their freedom of movement, uh, depriving them from contacts with their family, depriving them from the uh, uh, economic activity that they need in order to ensure their uh, physical survival. Um, So these are the most, the most basic uh, infringements that have been committed, but there are others like uh, hiding, uh, hiding the uh, uh, numerous treatments that are available in order to cure this disease, and there are many. And 
making false representations in order to justify all of this. And this German lawyer, he goes after that, after mm -hmm. the false, um, <laughs> the scientific false mm -hmm. um, PCR tests. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining this quite well. I didn't know that <laughs> we had actually, we have a, a bad guy, a German bad guy. Um, he's the German version of Dr. Fauci. He is Professor Drosten is his name. And I knew he is the one who is working together with the government. And you can see him on TV 24-7. He's in every newspaper. And he is said to be the expert. He is working for, um, he's a, the chief biologist on the Charité in, in Berlin. Um, so. I thought, yeah, he has some expertise. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's actually a really bad guy. Cause. <laughs> he, has, he has a lot of expertise at deceiving people, indeed. Yes, because he already did it in 2009 uh, while the swine flu. He was um, also uh, claiming there would be hundreds of thousands and millions of dead people so he has been proven to be really, really wrong with his assumptions mm -hmm. that he is really, he's really um, giving out flawed numbers. And they now made him again the, the chief of operation and they are only listening, the government is only listening to him, to yeah. nobody else. And if I may interrupt Natalie, you see the exact same situation in many countries in the world, meaning that the same people who had it totally wrong during the H1N1 crisis, the same people are back now. And even though they were totally wrong from start to finish and did uh, all kind of uh, uh, absurd projections, uh, best example, Neil Ferguson from the Imperial College in London. Yeah. The same guys now were back and they were given the, the podium again, they were given the microphone again, they were given almost exclusive access to the media, uh, much worse for that matter than 10 years ago, because there was still a possibility 10 years ago to hear some dissenting voices. Now that they had been totally excluded from public debate, there wasn't any public debate to begin with. And uh, you saw all these guys uh, maneuvering again and uh, being listened to like gurus again. And uh, that should be enough to indicate that there was real malicious intent behind this whole operation. So you have the infringement and you have the malicious intent. So you have, and you have the damage. So you have the three elements that are constituting the definition of a crime. And what and I did... It is, yeah, and because it is global, it is crime against humanity. And not only because it is global, but because it is also targeting very specifically what makes a human being human. 
like for instance the right to have contact with other human beings and i want to come back to the pcr test because mm -hmm. they are using for all of their measures they are only using these pcr tests and what i didn't know this german professor drosten he is the one who actually has been building this version of the pcr test i didn't know that because the pcr test i forgot the name of the uh, guy who invented it he he won the nobel prize yeah. and he said this is just for scientific reasons because you are taking a sample and you are actually blowing it up like yeah. a copy copy paste copy yeah. paste copy paste mm -hmm. so it is just for scientific um, for research and not to be um used for diagnostics mm -hmm. he said that yeah so but they are using it for diagnostic and it's even worse um it is common knowledge that if you do this process of blowing it up more than a few times it ha is really flawed mm -hmm. and uh, if it is more than 35 times you cannot say this is even a scientific method anymore because it's so flawed. Mm -hmm. So this German professor Drosten, he in the beginning of January, he wasn't using even stuff from, uh, from Wuhan, but he chose an old strain of uh, SARS, um, hoping it is close enough to the new one Mm. and was building this new PCR test and um, sending it to Wuhan, uh, where they said, yeah, um, it was reacting positive. Of course, someone who had, had uh, I don't know, the sniffles would uh, react positive. And he is doing this 45 times. So it is <laughs> blowing up every molecule uh, that you ever came close to. And that is also the reason why you have so many people who have no symptoms um, at all. And not even to mention that they don't have uh, the normal flu, but really have this COVID. Uh, there is no relationship uh, proven between those two. And no. that is why I said the, 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 the German guy is really a bad boy because he is responsible for all those PCR tests now used worldwide to lock down all of those people. And that is the reason why this uh, lawyer went, why they are uh, going after the PCR test. Mm -hmm. Because if they are, can prove that this is flawed, and is um, the, the whole foundation for all the measures, for all the lockdown, whatever restrictions is simply taken away because at the moment we just have a case pandemic. It's not mm -hmm. a pandemic at all. No, in fact, uh, um, the time when the uh, journalist could scare the general public by hammering the number of deaths every day and by showing some uh, some hospitals with uh, you know uh, beds filled with supposedly very sick people is over they cannot do that anymore 
because uh, that disease, whatever it was, has lost its virulence. And so the only thing they can still do is now is to uh, hypnotize people with cases, cases, whole oh, positive cases, they're on the rise, on the rise, on the rise, on the rise. That's the only uh, bullet they've left in the charger. And they are just like the PCR test, they are magnifying and amplifying it and amplifying it <laughs> to make it look like there is something happening. Um, and, and it works great. That's actually the foundation of hypnosis. You focus all the attention on a single point. That's how you hypnotize people. And that's exactly what it's being done right now. Cases, 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 cases. So I find it really intelligent to use this, mm. this point oh. and turn it against them and say, okay, let's have a look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, it is true that indeed, Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the test, said never use it for uh, diagnostic purposes. Uh, one of the reasons it was created was to enable the police to uh, uh, identify the genetic profile of um, a criminal by uh, uh, isolating DNA, RNA sequences on, uh, on a crime scene. And uh, possibly matching it with the genetic profile of a criminal. Um, not only did the inventor uh, say that multiple times, but even better than that, it is written on the packaging of the test kits in full letters, in plain letters for everyone to see and to read just like it is written on the packaging of big mask boxes this mask doesn't protect against covid19 nor any other type of virus but they're being made mandatory just like uh, they would very much like to make testing mandatory it, it just, I, be, I believe it's just a matter of having enough resources to make them mandatory for the entire population. They are going after it. They have now mm -hmm. new tests that can bring you results uh, within 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they are really going after that. So um, they are thinking about that people who want to go into the cinema or into bigger events. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually you have to test yourself before you are able to yeah. enter and before you board a plane and uh, yeah and all of that yeah. Yeah. but um regarding the pcr test okay uh first uh one of the very fishy things about this uh, dr drosten uh test is that it was fast tracked by who I'll tell you who, <laughs> by the World <laughs> Health Organization. <laughs> it was fast track. The moment he came up with it, who immediately jumped on the bandwagon and said, this is the test we are validating and this is the test you can use in the entire world, which is uh, not how things normally work. Normally, uh, other uh, scientific actors, other scientific centers around the world are using the test and uh, uh, progressively 
there a consensus, a consensus emerges as to whether or not the test is, is valid, which was absolutely not the case in this situation. It was just uh, an instant decision by the World Health, yeah, <laughs> yeah, big laugh here, the World Health Organization. So that's number one. Number two, why a PCR test? You know, why not a blood test? Why not a saliva test? Well, maybe because, just as you said, uh, when you go beyond 35 cycles of amplifications, it's devoid of any meaning. It doesn't mean anything anymore. So uh, knowing that these tests would be meaningless and there would be lots of false positives, some say, uh, some scientists say up to 94% of false positives, meaning that meaning people who test positives, but it's, they're really not actually positive. And um, meaning they're not infected, really. They're not infected. They test positive, but they're not infected. So um, why? Why PCR? Well, number one, it looks like uh, its meaninglessness made it particularly relevant for people who wanted to traumatize the population. And number two, there is that issue of these giant sticks that they shove through people's nose and to the back of their throats. One really interesting piece of information that I recently heard and that came from a nurse who's seen these sticks for a few years now, is that up to 2020, these sticks were twice shorter. All of a sudden now, they've become gigantic for no discernible reason, other than pushing them as far back as possible. And uh, to, to what point exactly? to the blood-brain barrier. Because the way they work is that uh, you scratch. You scratch to take uh, some skin cells that you're going to analyze. Where do you scratch? You scratch against the blood-brain barrier, which is only one cell thick, meaning it is extremely easy to damage the blood-brain barrier, which can have really very, very serious, a whole bunch of very serious consequences for people's health. Some say, and I, I don't have any certainty about that, but it seems like uh, taking everything into account, it seems like a valid assumption to me, even though it's not certain at this point. Some say that the purpose is to uh, inject nanoparticles into the brain. Yeah, we are, we are here in, a, in an area that is highly speculative, but mm -hmm. uh, reading about those uh, swab tests, mm -hmm. it, it really doesn't make sense why you, if, if someone is really sick, he, he just, you know, I can't even be with the person in one room without being infected also, mm -hmm. yeah? And um, why would you go so deep? And the place where they go, 
um, I, I heard different um, different opinions. If it is possible to go through the brain blood barrier, but the place where they go is where the olfactory nerve is coming out of the nose into the brain where your smelling um, is, 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 is actually taking place. So there must be an opening. If the nerve is going into your brain, there must be an opening in the skull somehow. And now something comes to my mind. It is said uh, recently that um, uh, a byproduct of this um, COVID uh, situation is that many, many people have um, problems with their taste and smell. Yeah. and have brain issues yes. what if this is the case because the virus was actually brought <laughs> very close there and um, maybe this is a reason the testing mm -hmm. is a reason yeah would be but it of course it's speculation mm -hmm. um so we don't have a fact there but just to to think about there might be a possibility and people who are more into the uh, medical side of of the whole story, they might um, do mm. their research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, other than what everything we have already mentioned, there is also the fact that, uh, as you said, Natalie, that that whole um, test was designed based on the uh, genetic profile of another coronavirus. Which means that uh, if someone is supposedly tested positive, it can mean that that person is actually carrying another coronavirus, another yeah. another one of the four other uh, identified coronaviruses. So that that person can have uh, <laughs> some uh, common cold uh, virus, or or a bit a bit you know of that virus. I'm not going to say of a dead virus because viruses aren't really alive. They're not biological organisms. They don't breathe, they don't reproduce, they don't eat, they don't excrete. They're not alive. So you, can, you can't really say that the virus is dead. You can't say that the virus is broken or, uh, or destroyed, but not that it's dead. But so uh, these people can have a, a bit, you know, a, a tiny bit of a virus and they're also going to test positive. And now it comes out that uh, it has come out that that genetic sequencing is eerily similar to that of a chromosome of the human genome. So they could even find that chromosome and say, ooh, you're testing positive for COVID-19. It's 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 crazy. I, I I have here I have a number. Dr. Butar said in our body we have 650 trillion viral cells any time. So having a virus inside your body doesn't mean anything at all. Of course, we actually need them. I don't know the number of bacteria, but we also have a huge number of bacteria in our body. Mm -hmm. And he also said, if you would take out all of these bacteria and viruses, you would drop dead because they are, uh, they are, they are coexisting with us and normally they are 
co-workers in our system and so it's it's, it's totally stupid to, to 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 search for something <laughs> that has a similarity and that is blown up and that might even test positive for having a chromosome uh, in yeah. your body uh, it, it it is madness it is and that's actually one of the uh, one of the subjects that we discussed in our um, episode called the religion of science that the germ theory is fatally flawed. The germ theory on which the whole circus we are currently witnessing is based is flawed from the start because it was based on the assumption that bacteria, uh, when that theory was started, and then later on when viruses were discovered, viruses were inherently pathogenic. And uh, one of the reasons why that was believed is that they were also believing that the blood was sterile. And so uh, that if you found some of these guys starting with bacteria in the blood, it meant, ooh, there's an infection. But indeed, we have more bacteria in our body than we have cells. And with, without bacteria, we're dead. <laughs> so the theory was completely wrong from the start. And um, uh, the immune system needs to be fundamentally um, re, how would I say, the, under the understanding of the immune system needs to be completely, completely changed because it is not what we believe it is. It is not a kind of um, artillery system, you know. <laughs> It is not a kind of a, a war machine. Yeah, the immune system is not a war machine. It's an information treatment system. And now we are better able to understand that because um, we are swimming in information treatment in our technological environment. It's all about uh, uh, handling and processing information. Well. The immune system, the, the, the biological system that is providing us with immunity, it's just doing that. It is processing information. So uh, it's completely different. But let's go back to crimes against humanity. Because actually what happened until now is that all of those information of other um, doctors and scientists have been totally ignored. Mm -hmm. And now people are really taking um, the government to court. Mm -hmm. They can no longer ignore the facts. Mm -hmm. And that is why I feel that really something is changing because it is happening in many countries now. And um, those uh, lawyers who have um, chosen to work together and have interviewed a lot of um, experts on their medical expert for for the court case um, they are offering the lawyers of other countries the material they have collected for free yeah. uh, and that is unspoken of you know, the lawyers normally they don't work for free and also the, those they are not working for free um, but um, they are offering this so others can can go um, can can walk this path in their own countries dealing with their own laws uh, and um, 
We have we have had, I, I think, Michigan in the United States um, has been said to be unconstitutional, the lockdown. And something I came across is, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with David Whitehead from Truth Warrior. He has um, a really good um, blog on, yeah, on, on, on YouTube. And he had a famous lawyer, Rocco Galati, as his guest. Yes. And he is suing the Canadian government over the yes. lockdown measures. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's great. And I really um, recommend to listen to that interview because um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting because he also brought up some numbers, um, how people are really um, have been damaged um, because he said in Canada, there have been five times um, more drug overdose and suicides um, because of the lockdown measures. That's really huge. And there have been 42% more heart attacks mm -hmm. um, because people um, don't get their treatment or they're afraid, uh, they're stressed, they don't go to the doctor. And England and Wales, for example, just in April had 10,000 people more dying from Alzheimer's disease in April, just mm -hmm. in April um than the year before because people have been left alone uh, they didn't re uh, receive the treatment they would need because of the lockdown measures and just in one month 10,000 more than the year before um and so he said the 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 number of uh, people who died are 12 until four times as high as the numbers of COVID deaths. Yeah, 12 to 14, yes. And uh, there have been at least two other studies uh, focusing on that same uh, question mark of the ratio between uh, uh, lockdown death and COVID death, even though the, the number of COVID death is actually uh, uh, unknown. And it's uh, the yeah. numbers are not reliable because we're not going to enter that whole um, we're not going to open that whole can of worms, but uh, these numbers have been vastly inflated. But uh, using these vastly inflated numbers, the conclusion of the study that's been done in Canada is what you've just seen, what you've just said, sorry, 12 to 14 more deaths from the lockdowns than from COVID. Uh, a study in the United States said and, and they, they, were, they stressed the fact that their estimates were very conservative. They said 10 times more lockdown-related deaths. And uh, a study in South Africa went as far as 20 times more lockdown-related deaths. So it's massive. It's absolutely massive. That might be also the case because in Africa, the uh, South Africa, the measures have been more strict. United States had not strict uh, measures everywhere. Mm. So this might even explain why they said it's 10 times and South Africa has said to be 20 times. Mm. Because the more extreme the lockdown is, the more people are harmed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
No, um, I don't know exactly. Uh, I don't know whether these lawyers have already started their class action, which is uh, uh, the collective action that are allowed in uh, uh, American, the American and Canadian law system that are um, available for anyone to join wherever they are. They can join the class action so that uh, one attorney is going to represent possibly tens of thousands of, uh, uh, of people, claim uh, claimants, well, whatever, people who want to uh, uh, make a legal claim in court. Um, they're doing that in, in multiple countries now. Uh, I know in France there is a, um, an attorney association that is representing uh, like uh, something like 12,000 oh. uh, people to challenge some of these measures. And well, the thing is what they're trying to do, they're trying to really um, coordinate coordinate all these uh, um, different actions to make one big, giant, humongous case that would uh, create a precedent. And I don't know whether they have already uh, made their claim in court. I wouldn't be surprised because uh, the video I saw from Avainov Kilnich was very, uh, um, they looked absolutely ready. You know, so uh, my guess is it's already in front of a in front of a court uh, somewhere. And um, what did I want to say about that? Yeah, for for lawyers or attorneys anywhere in the world, and for individual people, uh, it is important to have that information and to see whether they want to join that action because from what I heard, my understanding is that it doesn't matter where you are, you can still um, join such an action. So um, I, I think I will uh, put the link in the description yeah. for people and that was why I felt we really have to go out with this topic because mm -hmm. now people as they have they they have been suffering so much people over mm -hmm. the last few months and um, they need something they can do actually uh, and, and, and see they are not alone. Of course, they knew they are not alone because people like we, we are going out and, and, and we, we share um, our, our insights and thoughts. And so people knew they are not alone. But now um, people really recognize they can do something about the situation. Yeah. Yes. And um, I know would like to take some... Um, I would like to put all this into perspective, the whole topic of crimes against humanity, because um, they are being committed right now, but they are nothing new. It's not recently that uh, crimes have started to be committed against humanity. It started a long time ago. And uh, it's just that the concept wasn't there. The uh, expression hadn't been articulated. 
but many many crimes have been committed against humanity so uh, if we now go the way of the super woo and uh, examine the whole spiritual and exopolitical context we can say that for instance the genome the genetic uh, identity of humanity has been manipulated and tampered with multiple times by beings who really didn't have good intentions towards humanity no matter what they said no matter what ideological reasons they might come up with to justify their actions their actual intentions were to diminish and to control and to enslave in subtle ways so uh, if you touch someone's well in this case if you touch the human genome in order to somehow disable human beings how would that not be a crime against humanity by its very definition by its very nature now if you are some deity in high heaven who uh, wants to feed upon humanity's devotion and harness their creative energies for your own purposes and for for your own selfish benefit in order to uh, make yourself bigger and more powerful and uh, you actually use all kinds of uh, deceptive tricks and manipulations in order to convince human beings that they are weak and that they are unworthy and that they need you in order to uh, do something with themselves and that they need your protection and that they need you in order to save them and support them and feed them and uh, be a providence for them how is that not a crime to make someone completely dependent upon you based on a false representation about themselves that's the, the definition of crookery and maybe maybe this is just perfect because now as we have reached this point in time where everything is so condensed um, I, I really feel a little bit like the past is happening again uh, you know it reminds me of the third reich it reminds me of the witch trials yeah. so we have the past playing out again but this time it is really um, so in your face mm because it is happening in such a short time and we now have our worldwide connections. Uh, we can talk to each other uh, over the internet, for example. We can exchange notes, people can come together to assist them, uh, themselves and fight together. So now actually <laughs> the bad guys went all in <laughs> and they're just losing. Because now humanity is recognizing, oh, I'm not helpless. Uh, actually, I'm not helpless. And um, I can do something about it. 
um, and for example, just seen from the medical standpoint, it didn't work with the swine flu. They wanted to kill um, a huge part of humanity back then. They tried it again with COVID and always this phenomenon of herd um, immunity that came in. They see us as sheep. <laughs> so <laughs> this <laughs> wording, herd immunity, is really funny because um, it's actually working somehow because we are super woo. Um, we have this information, just like I said, uh, I, I I believe I had that thing in, 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 in March, April, April, and Chris Chiu from Beyond the Whale, he too had it. And I felt I am observing it, I'm studying it because I'm then bringing into the field uh, my awareness. Um, and this is actually everybody who has been dealing with it is giving the information to the whole collective mm -hmm. of humanity, like the hundred monkeys. Um, yeah. um, everybody has heard about that, I believe. Mm -hmm. And if hundred monkeys have learned something, even monkeys living on a totally different place who never had contact with these hundred monkeys, they also know this, what these hundred monkeys learned. And it's the same with the germ, uh, uh, genome, uh, genome of the human um, that is um, able to now deal with this new threat. <laughs> yeah. And so even if they try to change our genetics, um, sending some really nasty stuff into, into us, we will learn to deal with it. We will learn to create kind of um, immune, immunology. What's the word? Immunity. Immunity, yeah, um, for it. And so, yeah, they really try to screw us, but actually it is, um, <laughs> they are, it doesn't work. Screw you, loser. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> okay, so. Um... I feel like segueing from what you've just said. Into a possible scenario. Okay, that's I have my coffee. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> so a possible scenario that might manifest itself really soon. And uh, full disclosure, We've heard that one from our good friend, George Cavastulas. So for people who are not familiar with his work and material, this might come as novelty. So the guys who are currently behind this whole maneuver of the um, paranovirus, controlovirus, uh, <laughs> scandemic, pandemic, They've been at it for quite a while, you know, uh, it's not something they've come up with uh, last year. Um, something I learned is, well, it's been presented over and over for decades. In fiction, for instance, in uh, TV series and movies and novels and uh, anything fiction you can imagine. 
For instance, I learned that just this morning, Boris Johnson's dad, Stanley Johnson, that gentleman several decades ago, authored a novel called Virus. And in that novel, the government was releasing a virus to create an epidemic in order to enforce control measures upon the population. Sounds like really good literature to me. That man has quite an imagination, I must say. Like so many others had such a brilliant imagination or were somehow prophets, apparently, because they all described exactly what's going on right now. Uh, I also remember that gentleman that I, whom I met in Belgium a few months ago, uh, you know, while we were all <laughs> waiting during a lockdown outside the uh, health food shop in, uh, in rows, you know, <laughs> we were waiting for our turn to enter the shop. He was telling me that a uh, long time ago when he was doing his military service, uh, he had been instructed in nuclear bacteri bacteriological and chemical weaponry. And the instructor had told them, had told the class, well, you know, in times of peace, the best way for the government to control the population is via epidemics. And uh, at the time, he couldn't believe it. He laughed when he heard that because uh, it seemed so far out. So uh, all that to say that this has been prepared a long time ago. And uh, the guys who are maneuvering in order to uh, make this happen they are the old elite. They are the old guard uh, of the old New World Order, so to speak. <laughs> they are the, the old New World Order. <laughs> Don't confuse me. <laughs> and it, they're so, my goodness, <laughs> just look at them, George Soros, <laughs> Jacob Rothschild, they're so old. <laughs> And metaphorically, they're old as well. Their, their system is really old. It is tired. It is, it is worn out. It's, uh, it's at an end. So uh, these guys who are really uh, from the dark side of the synthetic light spectrum, they are sort of, uh, uh, how do you say that in English? Um, playing their last cards, so to speak, in an attempt to keep themselves in power for maybe forever in their imagination. But uh, they're, giving their all, they're giving it their all. One serious possibility is that uh, in a not very distant future, in a pretty close future, actually, they would be completely swept away by another faction of the synthetic light empire. These ones more to the uh, uh, positive side of the spectrum that would indeed uh, arrest these guys and judge them for crimes against humanity. And so many people would cheer them up. You know, who wouldn't be relieved and, uh, and happy to see all these monsters uh, judge for their crimes? Now, um, we must be really, really mindful of the old problem-reaction-solution 
strategy. And that mechanism, that strategy, is really used in a fractal way, meaning that uh, it is used at this level, but on a broader scale, it is used as well, and on a broader scale, it is used as well. So if we look at the situation at the uh, uh, smallest scale, you have the fake pandemic, which is the problem that is being created. You have the reaction, not just the fake pandemic, but all the, uh, uh, all the measures, all the lockdowns and mandatory mask wearing and social distancing and all these horrible things. So that's the problem. The reaction is uh, the population being completely exhausted and uh, traumatized. And the solution would be, hey, guys, we have a vaccine now. So uh, you can forget about all these horrible things, social distancing and masks and, uh, uh, and lockdown. That's all over. Just take the vaccine. Just take the vaccine with the nanoparticles and be plugged into 5G and have your uh, a digital identity uh, uh, passport that you need to take everywhere in order to access anything. So we have total control about you, upon you. So that is problem reaction solution. Seen from a wider perspective, you have the problem being all these horrible people doing horrible things and uh, wanting to uh, um, enforce absolute tyranny horrible tyranny upon humanity. You have the reaction of all people who have become aware of that and who say, no way, no way, you shall not pass. This is not possible. We, we don't want to become slaves. Solution? You have all these uh, heroes stepping in, putting an end, to the whole pandemic, arresting all the, all the horrible murderers, judging them, and then introducing their new system. So what would be this new system? Well, uh, if you look at what's happening right now in this month of October, um, the satellite network that's been put into orbit by SpaceX, uh, Elon, Elon Musk's society company, uh, is going to come online, meaning that uh, they had been launched so far, but the whole network hadn't been activated as a network. So that is happening during this month. And it's just, at this point, a small part of the whole, um, how would I say, of the whole, um, number you know the, what i mean is that they want to put much much more satellites into orbit so they reach every uh, area but now they are they just reach yeah. certain area yeah yeah they want to put tens of thousands of them into orbit and so far they have maybe i don't know maybe a few thousands at most what that means is that that network is going to be incredibly dense incredibly dense and uh, its technological capabilities are far beyond what we have been told 
it's the word next level probably comes short uh, when uh, you think of what this network is going to be able to do because uh, it is what is going to manage the internet of things among among other things it is going to manage the internet of things and it's not 5g that is going to manage the internet of things because uh, um, if that scenario unfolds as it is supposed to unfold and we will see about that because you know there is a lot of uh, um, uncertainty i believe currently because of the the timelines being in flux and uh, collapsing and merging it's really difficult to uh, uh, have a, a fast grip on what is actually going to happen but if that scenario unfolds as as it is supposed to um that satellite network is going that cocoon that is going to surround the earth is going to become the new seat of power and uh, it will be so <laughs> first of all it will be one giant artificial intelligence at work that is going to micromanage human society and uh, very close to the uh, skynet network in the terminator movies with the difference that instead of being dark and dystopian like in the terminator movies it would actually look utopian it would look like uh, extremely beneficial uh, among other things because uh, they would say well you don't have to worry about 5g anymore we have much better we have much better technology you know uh, it is much uh, further away from uh, from people than 5g towers would have been because you know these 5g towers they would have been everywhere in your vicinity and uh after all it seems that uh, that technology was pretty hazardous or um, not that good for your health but with this you don't have to worry about that anymore and you can see that uh, um, by the way Elon Musk has been positioning himself as an anti-Bill Gates yeah. and anti-lockdown um, anti-corona uh, imposition figure so you see that uh, every chess piece is being maneuvered into position to facilitate the advent of a new system a new system that would be based on artificial intelligence which we prefer to call technical intelligence on that huge uh, extremely dense uh, satellite network because if you believe that we have many satellites nowadays it's peanuts it's peanuts compared with uh, what these guys had in mind yeah, i saw the numbers it's not just elon musk it's also uh, amazon and there are more uh, it, it's yeah. it, it's unbelievable the numbers they are trying to to to, to bring into the orbit yeah yeah, yeah. and um so don't be surprised if any of this happens and don't fall for it don't believe that these people are your liberators 
that they are heroes, that all of this is done for the benefit of humanity. Um, it is problem reaction solution. They are letting the old guard, they are letting themselves, they are letting them, um, uh, how do you say that, uh, weave the rope with which they will be hung. They are letting them do that. They are letting them expose themselves. They are letting them pave the way of their own demise. It is like martial martial arts. You are um, you tell a guy, yeah, come, 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 and then he runs after you. Step aside, and he jumps over the cliff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just with a quick move. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, um, punishing bad guys is really a great way to inaugurate your reign. The people love it when the bad That's guys true. get punished. That's true. People love it, and they will they will love you for it. And uh, you will be able to provide that great contrast because between all their horrible tyranny and your new system that will look so much better in comparison and people we have been so traumatized by what they've just been through that they won't have much critical sense left you know they, they will embrace your new system wholeheartedly and that new system will really provide you with a lot of buzz with a lot of flashing lights and, uh, and amazing toys and loud music so that uh, you're not the wiser, you know, you, you will be, well, you. <laughs> not everyone who's listening to this, but you, figuratively <laughs> meaning people, you know, people will be so excited by all this novelty and all this sense of relief and release that uh, they won't look at it in a critical way. They won't look at it with discernment. And many will also believe that they have it figured out. You know, once the old criminals are exposed, many people will believe, oh yeah, now we get it. Now we understand how it all worked. Not seeing that there are layers beyond how it all worked in the past that are actually based on the, on the same principles, but in ways that are much more subtle and uh, that look much more benign, much more benevolent. And I wouldn't be surprised if people who will be plugged into that uh, satellite system through nanoparticles or whatever, these people might actually experience feelings of bliss coming from the satellite network. Yeah. And as some say, there is no clarity in bliss. Yeah. And actually they are losing their humanity as we are speaking about crimes against humanity. It will look really, really beneficial, but actually it is ripping people apart from their humanity because they will be blissing out. 
and being this technical being, no pain, no suffering, everything is just hunky-dory, we're just blissing out, we're just having fun and um, losing themselves and what it means being human. Yeah. And while you are being bombarded with frequencies of bliss, piggybacking on these frequencies could be subliminal messages intertwined with the bliss. And when you are blissing out, you open yourself completely because you know it feels so good. So you, it, it's like a sh it's like a sugar high, really. <laughs> bliss is like a sugar high. So uh, while you are opening themselves completely, what is, you know, coming in? Well, why not subliminal messages? Uh, I'm sure it would be that way, really. I'm absolutely 100% certain. So uh, if that scenario becomes real, know that it's not, it's just a phase, you know? Don't fall for it and know that it's just a phase in the big process of revelation that we, humanity, are going through at the moment. It is not definitely not the end or be all, it's a phase. And uh, we'll go through it, just like we are going through the um, uh, corona insanity at the moment. And um, yeah, frankly, I would prefer by far to be in that other phase, the 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 TI uh, um, the TI satellites and uh, the the Starlink situation and the technological bliss. No, I, I would prefer for humanity to be processing that than what they are processing at the moment. Even though it's not really benevolent, even though it's deceitful, um, the current situation is so there. It is so uh, unpleasant and, uh, and violent and undesirable that I'd rather be in the next phase. And actually, I believe that humankind, um, there are theories about that. Humankind has to evolve through different stages, like you as an individual have to go through different stages. And um, we all have been falling for the darkness. And coming out of the darkness, it is not unusual to fall for the false light mm. that is now giving you um, the blissing out <laughs> option. Mm. And uh, that is really common in the new age community, for example, um, having all dealt with all of those, there's that old karmic stuff and all of that uh, pain and guilt and suffering, then people go to the other extreme and not realizing they still are not home with themselves. What is the final destination? Coming home to yourself and being centered and just being yourself and not fall for someone outside who mm. is giving you uh, the orders there may be an order of darkness or an order of light. Um, if it is 
someone else's game. It's just not who you are and it's just not your, your own journey. And um, so, but people have, maybe they have to go through these stages and some will fall for it for a long, long time. And some will just dip their toes into it and realize, ah, actually, um, yeah, this is a little bit feeling strange. Yeah, <laughs> something isn't quite right here. <laughs> That's that. That's in the end, we are coming home to ourselves and to the natural, organic life, and to who we truly are. Uh, we're in peace. <laughs> yeah. Final words for today, I think. <laughs> uh, I believe this is going to be the conclusion. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you everybody and I hope for all of you, you find some hope in this and some orientation what is uh, happening at the moment and some, yeah, hope and some yes. perspective. Yeah, we are definitely uh, um, in favor of hope, not copium. Uh, there is enough of that and uh, the, the, the next guys will definitely be big hopium providers. But uh, hope, definitely, there, there's a lot of hope, and um, the situation is not as bleak as it seems by far. So, uh, cheer up, buckle up, uh, stand up, <laughs> and everything up <laughs> until we meet again. Okay, bye until next time. <laughs> bye.